0: Support for market foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield approval is a real game changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate up for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part if rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. It's Thursday, July 12th. Welcome to Market Forey. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Jeff Fisher and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. Addie. Hello. How you feeling? Great. Well, guys, if it was any
1: better, I'd be twins,
0: I and I'm lying. That. I, I like love I... that. I love that. Well, <laughs> as as many of our dozens of listeners know by now, Chris is on a well-deserved vacation. I'm I'm just trying not to trash the place. Have so, you even you know, heard from him? I have not heard from him. that's a one, good thing. There was
1: one thing at the beginning of this week, I, he normally does a radio interview with the uh, folks up in Danbury, Connecticut. He, you know, he's going to be out, so he real in the process and he was getting ready to leave. He's like, "Hey, before I before I take off, he's like, one thing, just, you know, take me off of the emails back and forth with y'all trying to figure this out." I was like, "Oh yeah." And so I had, I had to make sure to make a note to myself to do that cuz I didn't want to be I didn't want to contribute to him getting off on, on the wrong foot Smart with the occasion. He's
0: great. He's Good at kind of getting off the grid. I have a bad habit of checking email on vacation. Yeah. I'm, do you I'm check email? At
1: all. Yeah, I email, Twitter, Slack. It just it never stops. It's terrible, Jeff. It's, it's you check habit. it? Uh,
2: initially, yes, and then after a few days or up to a week, my wife puts, puts <laughs> her foot down on that. Yeah, that's I good. Could Put that away, or I will throw it in the river. That's yeah, why yeah, they that's call it the better
0: half. Right? Okay. Well, guys, we're going to do something a bit different on today's show. We're going to step back from the day's news. In fact, we're going to make our own news, so we're going to kick the show off by having each of you share what you think your headline is for the stock market here in July of 2018. We're also going to share some stocks we like. And, you know, we're going to have some conflict too. You got to have conflict, right? If there's going to be good drama, you got to have conflict. So, is this a d- dramatic show, though? Yeah. Know, okay. really- you know what? By conflict, I mean stocks you're conflicted But over. see what mm. I'm
1: doing right here? Here's conflict oh, right here. Oh, I missed see? it. I missed the
0: cue. Not just a hat yeah. rack, my oh, friend. Oh, my gosh. Not just a hat rack. Okay. So, with <laughs> all that in mind, let's begin. Jeff Fisher, your headline for today's market
2: Trade War Uncertainty brings market volatility."
0: Ooh, I like that! That's kind of a Thank little you. rhyme there. Thank too. I, I just came up
2: with that right now, too. <laughs> I did. Uh, before the show, you sent around what we're going to talk about today, or topics like this. This, And I purposely didn't prepare because I want to just see what, uh, what you know, comes naturally. I like if, you, it. if you spend too much time on it. Anyway, I'm wasting time right now. <laughs> um, but I think there's no question that, that trade war concerns and the tariffs that are going back and forth between, mostly now, the U.S. and China is causing a lot of this market volatility. And with good reason, because in most cases, politics do not effectively influence earnings by a great degree. But in this case, it it truly could. The politics that are taking place could, down the line, affect the earnings achieved by the S&P 500 and by many companies. So, it has a real possible implication for the market.
0: OK, so by extension then, are you looking at any of your companies, any of the companies that you've invested in, any of the companies that you've recommended, do you look at any of those companies differently because of the trade war or the prospect of a trade war?
2: Well, the ones that, that we own, we make sure that we want to continue owning as long-term as we are. This is a possible change in the story. and. Uh, So, we check that box. And then, when we're looking at new possible investments, yeah, we take in mind how could this be affected by a prolonged trade war that affected trade around the world, basically. So, we do do consider it, at least. That said, as Fools, we are still trying to just buy companies that will be strong and grow over many, many years, regardless of politics. But again, like I just said, these politics could actually come into play.
1: Jason, yeah, I like that. Um, the nice thing about our you system don't love really is, that though. I heard well, a little
0: reservation. No, I, I you I, better have a better headline. It, it's funny because Jeff and I I think
1: <laughs> we we have a word in common here, a theme in common in common with our with our headlines here. Because my headline, and I actually thought about this some, Jeff. So I don't know what you were doing. Sorry, I was wow. busy. Wow. I, the con- I, I, there's the conflict. I have to think there's to come up conflict. with this stuff. Embrace the volatility; it opens windows of opportunity. Wow, that's. I want you to go. pick that
2: paper up. <laughs>
1: the beauty of our political system is when something goes so far in one direction, and it proves to be bad policy. At least we have a system that can fix it over the long run. And so I think his point is spot on. You're still finding those businesses that you want to own for long periods of time because you're never going to see the the needle move too far to one side and stay there for too long. But I do think we are at a point here. Uh, I mean, the volatility is plain. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. I mean, just looking at data as of just a month or so ago, the SP 500 has moved up or down at least 1% on 28 trading days already this year. And to put that into context, there were just eight swings of that magnitude in all of last year. So we can see that volatility in 2018 is not just an opinion. I mean, it really is a fact that's happening. I know a lot of people want to attribute that to this administration, and there probably is something to that. But I also think we are in a much different time now in regard to the markets. Information travels so much more freely. Of course, when you have a president who embraces Twitter as he does and pretty much says whatever he wants without a filter, that can have an effect. I don't think that really changes. Whenever he gets out of office, I mean, I think there's always going to be someone out there saying whatever they want. I mean, I think a lot of our favorite CEOs at times get out there and use Twitter and social media to defend their companies or communicate ideas or whatever that may be. So, I I think with the volatility, it can be scary. But if you look at that from the perspective of we like to own businesses for long periods of time, that volatility can create opportunity to buy our favorite companies at a little bit more of an attractive price. See the forest for the trees; it makes investing a lot easier.
0: Okay, so I want to ask you the same question that I asked Jeff when you when you look at your headline and your thesis. Are there particular companies, or maybe there's an industry that, as an opportunistic investor, you say, you know what? When that volatility kicks in, this is where I'm going to invest.
1: Sure. I mean, I I think I tend to look for businesses with very clear. Um, advantages, whether it's a network effect or whether it's a company that sells something and they have pricing power, uh, perhaps something that might be a little bit immune to trade wars, perhaps, and we'll talk uh, about at least one of those businesses in a little while. I don't want to give it all away right now. So Mac, he,
2: but he prepared. Well, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I
1: have to prepare. I mean, like if I don't, i come in here just, just a dumb look on my face and I don't have anything to say. Um, I mean, I, but I do think you look at businesses that are going to flourish regardless. I mean, look at Alphabet. I mean, regardless of economic conditions, search isn't going anywhere, and it's not going to abate. Right? People are going to keep on using Google for whatever they need to find. I mean, yeah,
2: and it isn't in China anyway. Exactly.
1: I mean, your companies like Facebook, I mean, it could be argued that when people are looking to escape from reality, they're going to places like Facebook and Instagram. Those those perhaps do better in, in times like these. Netflix. I mean, you just you look for those businesses that are kind of no-brainers uh, in good times and in bad. And I think those are some
0: examples.
2: Yeah, and I, I agree. Once you get to the mindset where you view volatility as an opportunity, uh, if you're at a point in life where you can as or, a
0: window to opportunity, right? A window top, yeah.
2: Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> I would shorten Jason's headline by the way. That's a long headline. Man, that's good. I like work. it. It's good, but it. It. I like to it. So
0: like yeah. volatility <laughs> is opportunity.
2: Embrace the volatility window." If you can be in that mindset, it makes investing so much more enjoyable. This morning, I was hoping for markets to fall more than they were, because or more than they did for a moment, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, because it's always an opportunity if you have some cash that you want to put to work, and even better, if you have a few stocks in particular that you've been waiting for to add to.
1: That's a. Yeah, I want to ask a question. Actually, both of you. I mean, Jeff, I value your opinion on this much more than I do Max because, well, let's just face it, Jeff's smarter. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know about that. Hurtful, hurtful, but fair. (laughs) (laughs) It is hurtful. In all seriousness, they're all (laughs) different levels of smart. I would love the opinion here, though, because I think you're right. You you want to be able to embrace volatility. You want to be able to embrace stocks going down. It's like Buffett says when you're a net buyer of stocks, you're rooting for that price to go down in the short run. My question is. How do you get to that point? How did you get comfortable with the volatility? When did that happen for you? Has it happened for you? Because I, it's I, I feel very comfortable with it. I don't mind taking on pretty decent amount of risk. So I, I think perhaps a lot of that just came from the fact that I've been investing for so long. Mm-hmm. Is it a time thing? It's just a very difficult thing to teach. I feel like. But if it's a lesson you can learn, if it's a mindset you can you can adopt, it can be extremely
2: powerful. Definitely. And uh, two quick answers to that: If you're re- Saving for retirement automatically with work. Hopefully, you should welcome volatility. You should welcome declines as much as they can happen. Just knowing that every two weeks, say for most of us, you're putting more money into the market, getting a little bit more bang for your buck. Exactly. You want to buy at lower prices all these years, right up into your, say, early 50s, I'd say, or even later these days. But lower prices is good. Are good. Um, I gotta to try to play the smart guy since you called me smart. Me Pro- English? proper English. <laughs> That's impossible. Uh, but for me personally, uh, for the traditional accounts that I have, it's having cash has what really clicked to make me comfortable, even when markets markets fall. So typically, I have twenty-ish percent cash oh, okay. and up, and that means, yeah, I look forward to opportunities to buy on demand. I like that. Keep a nice. Cash cushion there. No, I mean, a lot
1: of people at this point in time would argue that you should
2: really be fully invested because the market is obviously doing so well. I mean, yep. um, to I, be hon- to be fair, always honest, but to be fair, I probably I would have better returns if I'd been fully invested all these all these years, probably.
1: Maybe so. I mean, I'm but, like you though. I like keeping a little bit of a cash balance mm-hmm. in there, no matter what uh, the conditions.
0: No, as would I. I mean, I think what's helped me the most is what Jeff just said. Is like looking back on my history when I tried to dart in and out of stocks. As a younger man, as a much younger man, <laughs> I just got my hat handed to me, it's hard and, and, to do. and yeah, it is hard to do, and and you feel like and there stretches. And Jeff, we um, started around the same time, but in the late '90s, you know, I owned Dell and I owned eBay, and it's almost it's almost worse when your first like significant investing experience are are these two stocks that are big winners because then you yeah. start thinking, you know what. I've got this genius. You start mistaking, <laughs> you know, luck for genius, and I'm not saying it was all luck, but yeah, it breeds overconfidence. Yeah, and then I started spinning off into companies like JDS Uniphase and company Ariba, that <laughs> Ariba? that you know the the big thing that it was going to be the eBay of B2B. I don't even know what that means, by the way. <laughs> I just I know what it means for me. It means that you buy at 187 and it goes down to like one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it breeds overconfidence. So I think in looking back at my own history and realizing that I was not very good it trying to kind of dart in and out. Um, that that has been very instructive and it's helped just kind of calm the waters and let me just kind of buy, not buy and hold, but buy to hold. Mm-hmm. The yep. intent is to hold unless something extreme happens. Good stuff.
1: I think that those are all great answers. I, I mean I, I tend to agree and something you you noted there, having some failures early on or just going through some difficult times. I feel like one of the best Things that could have ever happened to us as investors was going through the financial crisis, yeah. right? I mean, I feel like the housing crisis, the financial crisis yes. that, that came uh, with that. I mean, those are tough times, but man, it really taught you a lot. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think uh, we're all we're all better for it. I agree.
0: I think the most underrated attribute of a CEO, hands down, is humility. Because if you're uh-huh. not if you're not humble, then you're not open to other possible solutions. You're not adaptable. You're not going to. I mean, it just humility. I think is Huge. Now there may be some exceptions. You could argue that, like a guy like Steve Jobs, maybe wasn't that humble. Um, but you know what? That's that's the exception to the yeah, rule. Yeah, I was going to
1: say that's the exception on the rule. No. I mean, Kevin Plank, you could say, not very humble, and he kind of got called on it. That's right. right? not so working out. He taught him well. a little bit of a lesson. And
2: oh. in a way, Jobs had humility by setting such a high standard for himself. Everything had to be perfect. Ah, the product like had to be perfect,
0: and that was yeah. I like that. Okay, well let's let's move on to our next question. Speaking of all this volatility, how about one stock you like no matter what? Ooh. Obviously, the, the the future is uncertain, especially the short term. One stock you like no matter what.
2: You know, Max. So I did think about this a while, and I didn't really like any of my answers, although I believe in all of them. But one that came to mind surprisingly was Facebook, mainly because it's it's gone through so many troubles, and I don't think Jason is a fan. But troubles and and uh, still has a lot of. Uh, bruises and black eyes, deservedly so. But it's inexpensive. It trades in the mid-20s, price-to-earnings multiple on year-forward estimates. And for,
0: Facebook is inexpensive. That may be surprising to hear for some people.
2: <laughs> yeah, Yep. it looks inexpensive on the earnings power that it has. Wow. Um, that said, they are going to increase spending a lot the rest of this year, but probably not quite as much as people estimate, hopefully. So anyway, Facebook came to mind, but Amazon is probably is the one the stronger of that I would that I would say that I would stick with through thick and thin as long as Jeff Bezos is at the helm. Um, if you take him away, then you have someone new, someone uncertain, running what's become a very complex, giant, sprawling operation.
1: Yeah, the jockey matters a lot in that case at this point, doesn't it?
0: Oh, that seems yeah. If Bezos left, I would not. Feel great about Amazon,
2: but, no. but right now, as long as he's driving the the bus and free cash flow is there, and uh, they keep exploring new avenues to grow, I think Amazon is probably the most fascinating company of our of our times right now.
1: Yeah, that was a name that definitely came came across my mind, and, and I mean, you're right. I'm not a fan of Facebook at all. the the offering, the platform, I don't like it. I just don't use it. Um, um, that said, I, I am bullish on the stock. Because I mean you you just it's hard to compete with networks of that size. And when you have like multiple networks that size, I it just they're gonna make some money even in the, even in bad times. And I think you're right, they uh People are going to go use those services in good times and bad. And that's obviously good for their
2: model, is they just, it's an ad play. Hopefully. I still worry that someday people will tire of it.
1: Well, you know, I mean, I think we're seeing a little bit of that maybe with Facebook. I mean, I ask my wife about this from time to time if she feels like her her activity is going away from Facebook and more towards Instagram, and it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with our kids, for example, our two girls are 13 and 12, no desire for Facebook at all, don't have Facebook profiles. Now, of course, they use Instagram. Yep. Um, so, Instagram is sort of that Facebook 2.0. I think it, it gives them a little bit of a lease on life in that regard. Yeah,
2: if they can keep buying the up-and-coming social media companies. Oh yeah. But yeah. I
1: think the problem is, they're going to have a really hard time making that case going forward. With everything that's happened regarding misuses of data and whatnot, for mm. them to be able to make any meaningful acquisitions of, uh, like that going forward, I think it's going to be really difficult. The good news for them is, I don't think they're in any rush right now, because oh. with WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram, still got a lot of ways to go with those mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna go a little bit further away from the tech side of things and I I got a question the other day on Twitter from a buddy Mike Malone who was asking me about a stock sort of, of this nature a defensive idea something I felt like would do well and thick and thin he had uh, Asked my opinion on McCormick, and I think anybody who listens to this show knows
0: that I love McCormick. I never bought McCormick, and no. it torments me. No. Every I... every quarterly earnings, I just die a little. I <laughs> should just buy it. I I didn't buy it either, and I think you know, I, as much as
1: I pay that company for their products, I should have bought those shares, and maybe I still will. But I think uh, for me, I mean, this is a business that is going to do well in good times and bad. They really own that aisle of the grocery store. And if you're not buying the McCormick brand label and you're buying the private label, well, guess what? McCormick has a pretty robust private label presence as well, not to mention the industrial side. And they call that now Flavor Solutions. So it's like there's real science going on there. And I still remember so well visiting their headquarters in Hunt Valley back in, I think it was 2011. And so my thinking is that I've liked this stock basically ever since I've been here at the Fool. That's eight years and counting. In the stock is has performed very so well. So what's it going to take? Uh, I I I don't know. Maybe You're such a tease. maybe you I need visit to
0: visit the headquarters. Maybe I
1: need to add it to the war on cash basket. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way it'll convince me, I guess. That's what prompted me to buy all four of those was Chris and I kind of calling it on each other. But I mean, it is. I got you, know, Mike Olson here gave me the opportunity to get a dividend recommendation out there in front of our members from Market Pass last month. And I was able to go with McCormick, and he and I both like it. I think there was a lot of skepticism when they initially made that RB Foods acquisition. It was a little bit out of their wheelhouse, and that it was French's mustard and Frank's red hot sauce. So there were some questions as to whether they'd be able to really pull that off. I think they've proven their case. I think that this is a business that will do well in good times and in bad. It's a dividend aristocrat. That dividend will continue to grow. And this RB Foods acquisition has turned out to be a real smart move. Management's been there for a long time. There's just a lot of good reasons to own this company. Um, uh, Just
2: the quintessential buy-to-hold investment. I like it. And Jason, I bet 40% of our dozens of listeners thought it, one of us would say MasterCard or Visa.
1: That's distinctly possible. But I, I thought for didn't sure for that reason. <laughs> I <laughs>
0: thought for sure or I thought that Teladoc was going to make an appearance.
1: <laughs> well,
0: you love Teladoc. I mean, I do
1: love it, but let's That's let's right. be clear, man, it's I mean, all right. we, We've got to get this thing through good times and bad. And I mean, no matter what, like money is going to be money and hey, people got to eat and they want that you, food to be good.
0: You love Teladoc. I think almost as much as I love a certain membership warehouse store that I will not name on this episode.
1: Rhymes with Lost Co.? Potentially. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, guys, before we get to our conflict and the stocks that we are conflicted over, I want to again mention that support for market foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Now, let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Now, because of rising interest rates, there is a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home these days. It's causing a lot of anxiety with folks. And, guys, we don't like anxiety, right? Do I lock? Do I float? (laughs) What does it even mean? it is not a good thing. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans have you covered, and they're doing something about it. They're calling it the Power Buying Process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you'll qualify for their all new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate up for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part, guys if rates go up, your rate stays the same, but if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. How awesome is that? Awesome, but upside. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, guys, and let's end with some conflict, some healthy conflict. How about one stock you're conflicted over, one stock that you could see going either way, Jeff? Sure, Mac. I love
2: this one. Uh, Stitch Fix, ticker is SFIX, a recent IPO. It's also a stock that we recommended in the partnership portfolio with Tom Gardner and Abby Mallon is the analyst who recommended it. And obviously, I supported it as well. The whole team was behind it, so we like it. That doesn't mean it's without questions. As a new, young company, uh, will it uh, be able to keep its two million plus paying customers for the long term and build upon that? My my concern kind of rotates around the idea that they may lose customers after a certain amount of time. Um, And so, even though they'll keep getting new customers to try the service, given that they're a young company, if they're churning customers, it would affect the stock badly, quickly. So, for those who don't know, very quickly, and most Fools listening do, Stitch Fix ships you clothing to your house, you try it on, you send back what you don't want to keep, and you pay a subscription to do this, and you pay for the clothes. And uh, over time, it gets to know you better and better, so you should be getting a lot of clothes that you like. So. Interesting business model. They have the lead. They have great buzz. They have a great CEO. Uh, great results so far. We're happy to have recommended it because it's doing very well. But longer term, it's going to be really interesting to see how they sustain.
1: Jason? Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence here with one that we've talked a lot about before, Mac TripAdvisor. I mean, it's 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 been a long time, right? I mean, I've owned this stock personally for about three years. Love and the service. Don't know about the stock. Yeah, it's 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 about twenty percent down. I mean, it's been more disappointing than a box of raisins on Halloween. But I think that it's it's possible that this company is maybe turning the corner a little bit. I think a lot of the trouble stemmed from their move to try to become more like a uh, uh, Priceline, right? Trying to become a more like an OTA, an online travel agent, and they were trying to get in the hotel booking business, and it was just it was. It's a bad business decision. It didn't work, and and they invested a lot of money and they didn't realize much of anything on on that investment, and it it put them behind for a couple of years. They have gotten through this this period, right? They they sort of recognize the error of their ways, re-re sort of structuring the business, getting focused more on what they do really well, which is getting out great information to all of their users. And, And like you said, I love the platform. Uh, we used it a lot when we were in the Bahamas recently, and it was extremely valuable and very helpful. And I feel like this non-hotel side of the business, based on experiences, and getting you to need activities and places wherever you go, is starting to really catch fire for the company. So, again, it's a very robust and engaged and growing user base. I think this is a good business that made a really bad decision a while back. It's not a bad business. And I think that it's very possible that they could be turning a corner here Earnings come out August uh, 2nd, and I'm going to be very interested to see how uh, things are going for them in the back half of this year and in the beginning of 2019. Maybe I'll have a little bit more conviction after then.
0: OK, guys, well, there you go. We had some headlines, we had some stocks we like, a little bit of conflict. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. And as always, we love to hear your feedback, your questions, your comments at marketfoolery at fool.com. That's our email. Thanks for listening today. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you on Monday.